The Athletic. It's Leah Williamson to bring it home. England! European champions! Wow. How are the heads this morning then? Because England are European champions. It feels kind of good to say that, actually. After an extra time win over Germany in the final at Wembley in front of a record crowd on Sunday. Here's Kate with the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, recorded live at the scene of England's first major trophy success in 56 years. Women's football will simply never be the same again. Brilliant. Lauren Hill. So difficult to stop. Oh! Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast Euros Edition. Coming up, Chloe Kelly brings football home. Tune over the moon and what next? It's Kate Borsay here and I'm joined at Wembley by former Sunderland player and She Kicks magazine editor Jen O'Neill. Jen, hello. Hello. And Arsenal women correspondent for Arse blog Tim Stillman. Good evening, Tim. Good evening. England have just won the Euros, their first major trophy and on home soil as the hosts. Ella Toon's early chip then cancelled out by Lena McGull, but in extra time, Chloe Kelly poked in from a corner for the 2-1 victory. Kelly's going to be famous forever. And a 1999 Brandy Chastain shirt whirling celebration too. Jen, look, you've lived and breathed women's football in England for so long, even played with some of the players on the pitch tonight. How are you feeling right now? I'm still trying to process it all, to be honest. It was... You have to almost switch off your emotions to get through it. So, and then it starts to leak out. And I think by tomorrow it'll really hit. Are you going to be a leaky mess tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it it nearly happened once or twice. It's actually it becomes more real when you see the players in in the mix zone and stuff. It just and and how elated they are and deservedly so. Uh, We have just been in the mix zone, and as much as you try and think of intelligent questions, all you really want to ask is just. How are you feeling? Uh, Tim Stillman, let's throw that question to you as we've run out of England internationals to speak to. <laughs> they come on in a bit, by the way, so hang on for those. Look, Arsenal's Leah Williamson, captain of the England side. What are your emotions right now, having just lived and breathed that? I agree with Jen. I think this is something that when I wake up tomorrow morning, I'll think more, wow, did that actually happen? And you mentioned Leah and, you know, Leah's someone I've I've known since she was like 17 when she came into the Arsenal team. And just watching her lift that trophy, it's so surreal. It's almost like watching a different person somehow. It's like, wow, this person's crossed over into proper fame not just sporting fame and and that's that that's incredible and I'm, I'm so so happy for all of these players um, because they really really deserve today the crowd were out in huge numbers weren't they tonight and record-breaking numbers the biggest euro finals attendance men or women 
Can you compare that to the first time that you saw England play, Jen? Well, I th- the, the first game I can remember is 1998 when they played Norway at um, Oldham, I think it was, in a World Cup qualifier. And there was probably about four or 500 school kids there singing uh, Meat Pie, Sausage Roll, Come on England, Give Us a Goal. It was that era. <laughs> and, um, and, and at that point, Kelly, I wasn't sure whether I, I kind of really had the confidence or faith in in covering women's football and sticking with it because I I felt embarrassed as a female player I think that a lot of people felt that at that time and even England players didn't tell their colleagues what they did or and I saw Kelly Smith play and I thought no this is I should not feel like this Um, there are female players out there that people need to know about uh, because they're phenomenal she's such a talent and I I don't want other girls to grow up not having a role model like her and it we went from there I guess wow Tim first time you saw England play and how does it compare so I can't really re- it would have been roughly the same time as Jen um, probably in the late 90s sometime but really for me today's come full circle my first ever women's football game was at Wembley Stadium in 1996 and it was a friendly between Arsenal ladies and Wembley ladies and uh, a young Kelly Smith was playing for Wembley <laughs> that day and I think Vic Akers might have had a conversation with her after the game because she was playing for Arsenal a couple of months later but I think there are a couple of hundred people here I think it was the undercard to a celebrity 11s game and yeah yeah and then I came here with my mum today with 90,000 people and that's yeah that was that was a really nice uh, emotionally as well just a really nice like but there's a, full a lovely moment. cyclical feeling exactly to what both of you have just had to say we are going to get stuck into the game but it's only right first of all that we give the very first word on this epic win to the England players Oh, unbelievable, honestly. Um, it just shows an ACL don't define someone's career. And um, yeah, I just went mental, honestly. I didn't know what to do, but yeah, I think it I think it was an amazing celebration because what a tournament. I used to get the, the bus up to Wembley to, to just buy a programme. So yeah, unbelievable. Growing up in Ealing to just come back to Wembley and, and score the winner, it's unbelievable. But I'm just so proud of this team and I'm proud to share this moment with my family as well. Mad, I didn't expect it. The guy pulled me over and I was like, oh God, what have I done now? Normally in trouble with something. But yeah, he was like, oh, you're playing with the tournament. And I was just like, still think I'm dreaming. There's not one doubt in anyone's mind on this team that we're ever going to lose. And it, I, I speak from the heart when I say that. Like, even when it went 1-1, we were like, whatever, like, it's fine. But we just have so much belief and so much passion in this team to do well. And this team is so special. It's one of a kind. This tournament, I really wanted to be present. Like, it's been a t- tough journey for me the last few years. And I think I just want to say to all the kids who've, who've watched and who've got a dream, like, don't give up. Don't let anyone tell you no. Just keep going, believe in yourself, be resilient. It's tough sometimes. It's lonely sometimes. Uh, but I'm so proud. When I was on that pitch then, something just happened. That was a moment. And everybody that was here today will remember that for the rest of their lives. The room for development is incredible. The, the room to diversify the women's game, all of those things now. There's no excuses for anybody. Everybody should be putting everything in place that we get as many many young kids that are talented into an England shirt as we can. It feels surreal. Um, I think it, it literally feels fake. Um, we just keep looking around at each other and thinking, did this actually just happen? Um, the lives change for women's football, the lives change for the future generation, the next generation. Um, everybody's just going to be rooting for England. Um, we've definitely inspired a nation here today. And although people... We, we want people to jump on the bandwagon and we want people to join us and we want to fill them stadiums. We just want people to stay with us because this is only the start. 
Well, that was Chloe Kelly, Beth Mead, Rachel Daly, Mary Earps, Leah Williamson and Georgia Stanway. And my immediate reaction? Well, you can hear it now. I've no idea what this sounds like, by the way, because it feels like a distant, blurry, jelly-style memory. Here's me then sitting in Wembley Stadium with the Athletics' Charlotte Harper. Well, England have just won the European Championships. I'm here with Charlotte Harper. Charlotte, I am absolutely beside myself. How are you feeling? I can't quite believe it, Kate. Around Wembley Stadium, 87,000 plus. What a stop-start game, but England have done it. The first major trophy for the England women's side. England football for women. This will be a landmark moment. The atmosphere here, of course, it is incredible. And you can hear it's coming home as well over the loudspeakers. Even the German flags in front of us are waving. 2-1 to England. Yeah, and, and all credit to those people for over 30 years who have battled and fought for the Women's FA, which wasn't part of the FA until 1993, to put these players in a competitive and professional environment, to push them for their performance, their recovery, and that team not leaving any stone unturned. This is the sixth time that Serena Wiegmann has named her starting lineup. And they fought and fought. And all credit to the players, the team, and the team behind the team. I am utterly beside myself right now. We've done something that hasn't been done in the modern game, not since 1966. The Lionesses have had their say today and they are grouping together in front of us, hugging and embracing. And the trophy presentation stage is being wheeled onto the pitch and each Lioness will step up to take in their slice of history. I can't, I'm just trying to give a sense of this atmosphere. There's a, a sea of red and crimson shirts as Beth Mead goes to hug Alessia Russo, who's in tears. Leah Williamson, the captain. There's just lots of hugs and happy faces, and sweet Caroline is ringing out. And for those people who have been following the game, this is a brilliant day. And for those people who have seen women's football for the first time, welcome aboard, because with a World Cup next year and the Olympics after that, this is just the beginning. Let's give the final word to the crowd. It's starting to die down a little bit here at Wembley. We've had loads of celebrations. We've just watched the Lionesses lift the trophy, make snow angels in all the foil that's been uh, burst out over the top of them. Let's head to Wembley Way to see if we can soak up the full fan experience. And I'll see if I can locate Lindsay Hooper as well. Well, I 
I've made it out onto Wembley Way to soak up the atmosphere after the game. And who have I bumped into? None other than Miss Lindsay Hooper. We are reunited. How was that for a birthday present, oh Kate Oh, my Bosse? goodness me. What a birthday present oh. It's my birthday today. But more importantly, oh. I feel... We're European champions. We've actually been to a football tournament and won something, Lindsay. I'm, it's I can't handle it. I, I actually can't get my head around it. I was sat there. I had a lot of time, as I know you did, after the full-time whistle to digest because I was waiting forever to speak to Leah Williamson, who was obviously doing the rounds, and also Chloe Kelly. And then I know that you were waiting to speak to some players as well. But, wow, I, I just couldn't get my head around it. I had emotion where I got a little bit choked up. Then I was just... Banging. When I saw you, I'm banging. I just want to go and party. <laughs> European champions. I, when I when it went to extra time and it was an extra 30 minutes, I was thinking, no, it can't go to penalties. And when we actually managed to do it in extra time, I thought, what's another 30 minutes when we've waited 38 years? <laughs> I was worried in that extra time. It was very turgid, wasn't it? Oh. It wasn't really going anywhere. Oh, but up yeah. steps Chloe Kelly and does the magic. Look, we've been here. We've been covering this for over 10 years, you and I. Mm. Our first big tournament together was Canada 2015, when, of course, the team walked away with a bronze medal. Mm. We were totally elated by that because mm. it was so unexpected. How's the feeling different today for you? We have a trophy. There's a medal <laughs> around their necks. That and if you know difference. one thing about me, you know that I love winners. <laughs> I don't like coming second. Don't like coming third. That take, if, if they are going to take me back to my childhood, that's it. You know, the competitive streak. Is this so. the start of it, Linz, now? I, I just asked. That was the very last question that I just put to Leah Williamson is, have you just laid down a statement that England have arrived at major tournaments? And she said, absolutely. You know, that is it. That's what it's all about now. We've done it. We know what it feels like. That's what people said to us before is we hadn't had that experience. We hadn't got the winner's mentality. Now they have it. And it so happens because of the delay. How great that you've got a World Cup straight the year after. So I think that the momentum from this easily could go into the World Cup. And anyone be one who's of the been favorites. there today, anyone who's watched this game as an England fan, even if it's the first time they've ever watched women's football or England play, if they're young or they're whatever, they are, they are hooked right in now. And it is about sustaining it with the WSL season and then straight into the World Cup yeah, as well. It's, yeah. it's a special thing. And actually, Leah gave the trophy to Jill and Lucy Bronze. They were the first players that she sought out and she gave the trophy to them after it was handed to her, after she held it up. And that was, that was so important for her to pay tribute to those players. A bit like us who've been here for years, <laughs> Lindsay. But years and years. There was another thing that happened because when Leah passed the trophy and the, to Jill Scott, Jill Scott then went and gave the trophy momentarily and her winner's badge to Farrah Williams and said, that's half yours. Um, but she said, I, I meant it to a degree, but she can't keep it. And I absolutely understand the, the thinking behind that. But it is, it's about that passing on and the batons that have been passed on for years and years, since 1984, since the Euro tournament began. The ban, I mean, I don't want to dwell on that now. It's in the past. We've ma managed to catch up and mm. go even beyond. But actually but catching up without you know, without that legacy of expectation. And I think that's what's magical about these lionesses. Uh, look, we're going to have to wrap up there. Mm. You've got somewhere to go and party, Box I'm sure. Park. Uh, yeah. We're going to carry on with the podcast. What an atmosphere. This victory has been so many years in the making. And to that point, 
Here on the show, we asked past lionesses that built the foundations for this team how it felt to see them win. Oh my God, that was bloody un- unbelievable. I think, you know, to be here today, I'm so proud to be, you know, involved in the game still. It was an unbelievable atmosphere, unbelievable crowd, even the build-up outside, you know, being in Box Park, the environment, the game, you know, it lived up to all expectations and congratulations to the England girls, you know, I'm proud definitely and they've got to be over the moon and delighted you know to get their hands on that trophy and well deserved i don't think i have the words to sufficiently explain how i'm feeling at the moment but all i can say is i'm immensely proud of these girls they've set the country alight with the way they've approached this tournament and they've certainly inspired me and i think the rest of the nation so i'm i'm so grateful to have been a part of their journey and I'm just blown away by some of the skill, the the passion, the enjoyment, the desire, the resilience. I'm running out of adjectives to describe this team, but they've immortalized English football in my eyes, and I am so, so proud of these Lionesses. It's come home. Just in the stadium, just watch England ladies win the Euros. Great, great, great game. Great day all round for women's football. Um, I'm looking forward to positive things happening with women's football at the grassroots level. And I never thought that I would see England win a Euros in my lifetime. So such a special day. It's an honour to be part of it. And I'm extremely proud. You know, every time you put on an English shirt, you can't describe that feeling. So to stand there and sing the anthem and you still get that same feeling. I woke up this morning and I felt like I was playing. I still I got those belly you know, butterflies and I just thought, oh my God, I've not had these for so long. That's how much it meant as well, that, that feeling in your stomach. And yeah, very, very proud. And it's lovely to see everybody. It's just, I mean, amazing. I mean, these scenes are just, I, I don't think anyone could have expected this. So. Let's just hope, because all the pundits are now saying that's going to change. Let's hope it does, because it can't go back now. It's just got to keep getting bigger and bigger. Katie Chapman, Karen Bardsley, Kerry Davis and Julie Fletcher speaking there. Well, some past Lionesses couldn't even get tickets to this game. We asked Julie Fletcher about this. She's got 30 caps for England and played in the 2001 Euros. I mean, there, there are a few that managed to get a ticket, um, but I know that there was a hell of a lot that didn't. And, you know, quite a few of my friends, uh, past players, that were really sad, really disappointed, and just basically thought, well, I've got to sit on TV. Uh, disappointed, kind of upset um, for the fact that we were asked to come and be the trailblazers, as the pioneers last year, um, to walk around Wembley, so, and we were introduced as that and then something as special as this as big as this we're not even considered but I think a lot of us are extremely upset in the way that yeah we're, we're put up on a pedestal at one point and then other times it's known celebrities are there and asked before any of us past players. Jen what do you make of what Julie's had to say there clearly a key part of the Lioness's history and yet couldn't attend. Yeah, it's frustrating and it's quite sad, isn't it? And I've I've heard a, a few ex-players today talking about how 
they've been lucky because they maybe got a ticket in one way or the other and they're here but former teammates aren't and there's a, a sadness about that because the they should be included. I can understand it's a, a UEFA fixture, but surely the FA have an allocation and, and should have made planning ahead of this. If they intended to win this Euros, which is what we've heard all along, then maybe some provision should have been made. One of the wonderful things about the tournament as a whole, when you've when I've been around the country going to matches, is seeing former England stars outside the grounds and giving them a hug and recognising them because not all of the fans do. And I, I think that they should be given a higher profile for their contribution. Humble people, but great footballers and, and worthy of that recognition. Yeah, great shame not to see them here today. Well, look, there's a big piece out on The Athletic about the women who made it all possible. So do check that out. And you can get Gemma Davison and Ben Mee's footballing reaction in their athletic columns too. Now, time to get stuck into the game. You're listening to The Athletic Women's Football Podcast, Euro Edition. Now, Tim, we knew not to be bothered if the first 20 to 25 minutes didn't go our way. We were all braced for that. Instead, we actually didn't have to worry about it not going England's way in that first period, did we? Give me your thoughts about the first half an hour of the game and how you thought both teams matched up. Yeah, I, I thought England had the better of the first, certainly the first half in general. I do think for Germany losing Alexandra Pop in the warm-up at some point, um, I didn't even know that had happened until a few few minutes into the game, actually. And I, I think that, that clearly had an impact on them, albeit we're told that that was an injury she picked up on Saturday in training. So maybe they might have known there was a chance of that. But I think England took the game to Germany really, really well. And one of the things Germany have done so well in this tournament is they press the life out of you. But England really, really got round that press quite easily, actually, in the first half. A part of me at halftime thought, I really hope England haven't missed their chance here because they're not going to dominate the entire game. Germany will not let you do that. And so at halftime, I, I did feel a little bit rueful. I thought, oh, I think England should be 1-0 up here. But yeah, I think England definitely had the, the better of the first half until Germany made some changes at halftime. What Germany did do in the first half, uh, Jen, is they showed us their physicality. Uh, the ref didn't always get it right either. But that was my impression, really. You know, the likes of Oberdorf, Hegering, uh, Rauch, all going in. You know, Kirby, Stamway, Mead, little pushes, tugs, clatters, all designed, really, to stem the strength of England's attack. Yeah, it was it was a full-on battle, really. And yeah. to the to the detriment of the quality on occasion, I think. Yeah, because it was stop and start, wasn't it? Both sides knew it was going to be an aggressive physical encounter and they had to get a stronghold Georgia Stanway talked about it a few days ago that they knew the first few tackles and it it did get messy and the referee didn't control it and and that was a problem and the other big talking point of the first half is is the the penalty shout and Martina Vostecklenburg in the press conference is still upset she says that there needs to be communication because she can't understand with VAR in a European final why the referee didn't look at it because explain but social media yeah it it was a scramble in the box and and I think it came off Leah Williamson's arm and on social media I believe there's quite a few people have got images of it and footage of it and it looks quite clear I mean that's people who have a a certain angle to look at it and maybe a certain bias but so yeah MVT as we shorten their name to she's she's (laughs) upset and she said that she argues that that destabilized them slightly but actually they were on the back foot at that point anyway and it wasn't until the second half 
that they came into it. It flipped what we were used to because England had started yeah. slowly, Germany yeah. had started quickly. England would be stronger in the second half, Germany would maybe tail off slightly. So, yeah, all the things we predicted kind of didn't happen. <laughs> in that first half, England, three attempts on target to Germany's nil. But England's pass completion, and this is what we're talking about when we sort of talk, talk about the stop and start nature of it, but also the aggression from Germany as well. Only 58% in the opponent's half in the first half. That was comfortably their lowest of the tournament so far. So you get a picture here, really, of it being quite frustrating to watch. Not desperate, not unhopeful at all and so then we go into the second half Tim and um, I think probably the biggest thing to know is 55 minutes in 10 minutes into the second half when the subs are called into action the super subs Alessia Russo on for Ellen White Ella Toon on for Frank Kirby and it's like right here we go yeah, absolutely. I thought one of my biggest takeaways from this game overall is I thought England scored both their goals at the point where they were the weakest, where they looked to me the most vulnerable. And at the beginning of that second half, Germany took off um, Julie Brandt and put on uh, Tabia Vazmuth, who's, you know, in just ridiculous depth they've got to bring on you know the top scorer in last season's Champions League and that really unsettled England and that's why Serena made the change so early I I think weirdly what happened though was the change worked too quickly because obviously then Ella Toon runs through and the reason they did that is because Germany's press was so good and England wanted to go over the top of it and if you want to do that put on Russo and Toon but it, it worked too quickly almost and then after that what England needed was not really Alessia Russo up front anymore. They needed someone to run in behind. It was the perfect sub for nil-nil, but for one-nil, it kind of it just meant that England couldn't get out after that. So in a weird way, England could have done with waiting another 15 minutes to score that goal, but obviously you take them when they Yes. Uh, let's talk about Toon's goal with you then, Jen. So a uh, long-range pass from Kira Walsh, fed Toon, and she clipped the ball over from uh, the German goalkeeper. I just wrote beautiful here. Uh, it was a, a great goal for a great day. Yeah, it was a, just a fantastic pass by Walsh. And I, I loved how in the celebration, Millie Wright ran to Walsh and lifted her in the air because they knew the quality of that weighted pass. And then Tune, uh, she she has exploded into the tournament and that it was just a, f- a fantastic finish. It sort of hung in the air to me. It felt like <laughs> there was a sort of, I had a breath while I waited for the, the net to bulge and everybody is thinking, is it going in? Is it going yeah. in? And then boom, and the raw, in- just incredible scenes. Yeah, I was videoing it, just trying to remember, trying to watch, trying to video, trying to remember the moment. And again, you know, Ella Toon, one of the young players in this team, just takes the moment, Tim, absolutely takes the moment, no problem, and does it with that level of style. Yeah, absolutely. That finish, I was at the other end and and same thing. I I didn't think it was going in. I was thinking, you know, that kind of when you gradually edge forward (laughs) and it's like it's happening in slow motion. You think, is that hitting the bar? Is it roof of the net? And it's, yeah, and then you get that release. And yeah, fabulous. And, And obviously both of England's goals today have come from substitutes. And as much as Serena hasn't changed the team at all during the tournament, you know, you've got to say, I, I think England have scored more goals from the bench than anyone else. I think that was the case before the game today. So to get another two from the bench. But it's fantastic finish by Latoon to do it on that. And she had time as well. Like the time it took her to run through on goal and, and the pass was fantastic. But 
the enormity of the moment must have, because it wasn't a snap finish. It's I'm running through on goal. And there must have been a, oh my God, like I realise what this means. And so to put put that kind of finishing touch on it, just absolutely huge. Uh, And as you said, Tim, it wasn't, free-flowing from there at all for England. Leah Schuller, who was the player who came in uh, for Pop, uh, her effort struck the bar. Uh, Vasmuth had pretty much the whole goal at her disposal on the rebound, didn't she? But failed uh, to convert at that point. Look, I thought the goal gave England a bit of confidence, but there was a lot of threat coming from Germany here, Jen. And Lena McGoal stepped up. I mean, such such a well-worked goal for Germany, really. They kept coming and McGull was the one to find success. Yeah, and, and we're talking about substitutes impacting the game and that goal came through Sidney Lohman, who'd not long been on and was putting in some great passes, but just adding a bit more energy because in the, in the second half, De Britz and McGull got in Walsh's face much more than they'd done in the first half. It was bizarre how much space she had when we thought that they would be pressing her and, and really um, putting her under pressure for... Making passes. Why did they give her so much space? Were they too focused on Stanway or it, trying to it's find possible. space from bronze? It's, or? It's, it is possible. But England, and England's had for large sections of that first half the upper hand, and they were slightly on the back foot. And um, Martina Vosteklenberg said that they weren't courageous enough in the first half. Maybe they were daunted by the atmosphere. She I mean, said England, Germany weren't courageous enough. Not in the first half, no. But they were so physical. She meant in terms of um, being making brave about um, going forward, about making the making the right pass. They, I think they were just a little within themselves. But Is the, that yeah, the Germany the, default, Jen? Do you think to be to be physical mm. like that. They're just so fit and they're athletic and they're aggressive and that and and you know in a pure style England aren't that different in that no, it's sense. True, it's true. If you want to win they a were game, to give it back. Yeah. It is it's about it's about winning the physical duels as well as as playing clearly playing the football that you want to employ. But that but that goal was was beautiful. I mean, the, you can look at it and say where is the defense because there were there were gaps yeah. and they exploited that. Yeah. But it's happened so quickly and McGull comes to the front post and it's a beautiful side-footed finish. I mean, th- this game had had good goals, well, apart from the scrappy one which we don't <laughs> care at all how <laughs> scrappy it was. Uh, look, by this point, Beth Mead had gone off, hadn't she? Slight concern over uh, injury and on Chloe Kelly came. Now, I'm going to do the brilliant hindsight bookmark here and tell you that Charlotte Harper and I were sat next to each other through the whole game. And I said to her at the very start, I feel like Chloe Kelly's going to do something magical in this game. And in the first half, when we were being frustrated, I said she should get Kelly on because we could do with her speed if you can't beat the physicality try and beat them with speed instead. So again, I kept banging on about Chloe Kelly to the point that Charlotte Harper probably thought I was insane. When Chloe Kelly came on, however, yes, she made the difference. So Chloe Kelly's on for Beth Mead. Take me up to full time, Tim, if you can, from that point. Yeah, as soon as Germany equalised, I said to my friends I was sat with, I, I think I'd take penalties here because I I really felt that I really felt it was ominous. I felt that Germany goal was coming, the equaliser, and they kind of targeted that left side of the England defence. Um, they got in that gap a couple of times and I thought, oh, this this looks quite ominous. And, and once they got the equaliser, I was worried it would be a bit like the Spain game for us, for England that is, but kind of in reverse that once you equalise and get on top. 
And I, I really thought that Germany might take it from there. Um, I did think that Serena made a couple of good subs, though, in terms of bringing Alex... Again, the subs she's made all throughout the tournament, mm. but bringing Alex Greenwood on, <clears throat> I thought Jill Scott really made a difference as well, um, particularly if the game's going to get a bit aggressive, which it was. Um, you know, I but- think the TV camera might have caught yeah. something, mightn't it, Jen, you were telling us earlier. We yeah. can't repeat it, uh, yeah, but it yeah, was not a pretty bit language. Of trash talk in there as well, but... <laughs> But yeah, but I, th- I thought Jill did a really good job as well because almost like England did in the Spain game where they kind of said, actually, let's let's scuff this game up a little bit because Germany are playing good stuff. They're playing through us. Let's like, you know, let's let's try and bring this game down a level <laughs> almost. And, and actually Jill Scott, really, really good for that. And, uh, and, and yeah, and then in extra time, I actually thought Germany maybe lost a little bit of that momentum um, in extra time. Yeah, Germany definitely slowed the pace of extra time by hanging on to the ball. I thought if I was going to sum up extra time up to the goal, I'd say it was a bit turgid. I just didn't, I didn't feel inspired like it was going to go anywhere. Uh, and it did. It, it, it kind of very much felt like if it's going to stay like this, then it's going to go to pens. But as we know, England are capable, this Lionesses team is capable of moments of magic, even if they're a bit scrambly. Yeah, well, they'd learned that in the Spain game, hadn't they? That they were not defeated or not to give up until the last kick of the game. And that that the belief, that galvanising experience against Spain stood them in good stead. A scramble at the goal mouth then. And uh, that was after a corner from Lauren Hemp finds the tip of Chloe Kelly's boot. And in it goes and in the crowd roars. And again, we just allow ourselves that moment of where did that just come from? What just happened? How are we here? Oh my God, we're going to win the Euros. It was pandemonium. And she, she didn't know initially, I think, whether she, what was going to be called was a goal going to be given because she went to take a shirt off and then she paused and thought, I'm going to look a bit of a numb nuts if I do this. And then it's, and then, and then it's off and it is just, it is pandemonium. It's chaos everywhere. It was, it was a wonderful moment and I can't wait to actually see it back because yeah. when you're sort of living it, you can't accept it. It's real. Stressful slash apathetic at that point, almost up to that goal as well. You just didn't, you didn't feel the stirring of something that that was going to happen. But of course, the storyline was written for us by the Lionesses. Thank you, COVID. That's what I say. (laughs) Because Chloe Kelly would not have been in that team. Yes. With the ACL, with the tournament hadn't been delayed. There's a lot to thank for for it. I know it's, it's a terrible time, but there are some players who would not have been in that squad. Russo, Toon, Arguably yeah, yeah. and Kelly, if it had if it hadn't been played this year. Uh, interestingly, after the game, Chloe Kelly was saying that it was a spur of the moment decision to take her top off. I mean, it's the Brandy Chastain moment, isn't it? Really, stuff of legends. Um, and we said to her, "Had you thought about doing that? You know, this is this is her only goal of the tournament for England." But no, apparently, it was spur of the moment, and uh, she sort of took off her top and round it went. And uh, I thought she was a bit mad. I was like, "You're going to get booked. Put it on quickly, Chloe, for God's sake!" Yeah, and actually, um, the woman in front of me mimics that celebration at full. <laughs> which um i don't know if that was a tribute to chloe kelly or just done or for the same hot. reasons it, yeah. Really hot. it was yeah 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 but what, what's been interesting about this tournament as well for england you know chloe kelly got the winner today it feels like there's been a different like a different player for every game in this knockout. You know, Georgia Stanway had her moment. Alessia Russo had, um, you know, one of the moments in that semi-final, but the one that everyone remembers. There's been Beth Mead games. There's been Lauren Hemp games. And I think this tournament's just showed you the depth 
of of talent, particularly in attack, that England have because it it ha- we know Beth Mead's won the Golden Boot and the Player of the Tournament, but to me it doesn't feel like one attacker has dominated it. It feels like one of one or more of them in each game has come up trumps. But equally, Millie Bright has been phenomenal, and Mary Earps. I, yes. I can't. I, I don't want to be disrespectful. I can't believe how well she's played. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's been totally a colossus, an game, absolute colossus, yeah. um, a, a distribution, but also just coming and claiming the confidence she's giving her backline. Uh, she just needs a, a huge shout out. Yeah, some big saves in this game as well. And let's let's touch on the referee just quickly. A tweet was doing the rounds. Uh, the Ukrainian referee Katerina Monzul. It actually wasn't a great first half for her, as we've said. Uh, hey, spec savers, we found you a new customer. That tweet doing the rounds. Was that deserved, Tim? I think initially, yes. I think initially it felt like maybe the game was a bit big um, for the referee. I, I do have to say, I do think she got a bit more of a grip on it in the second half. Yeah. Albeit, As I've... soon as she started carding, because she, well, she did card Roush in the first half, but then after, or around the same time uh, that all the subs came on for England, 55 minutes, Oberdorf got a yellow, Schuller got a, uh, got a yellow as well, and you could feel like she was taking it, yeah, gripping yeah. it by the and, hands a bit more. And overall, I I wouldn't complain about the amount of yellow cards there were in this game. I, there were very few yellow cards where I thought maybe one or two in the first half, but after that there were very few yellow cards where I thought, well, that's not yet like all of them were yellow cards. It was a very, very bitty kind of scrappy game. So I don't think the players necessarily made it easy for her, but I think she. I think the first 20 minutes, maybe a bit like Germany, you know, probably felt the occasion a little bit. Mm. After that, I don't think she was too bad. That said, I haven't seen the Leah Williamson handball um, so uh, at all. So I've got no idea whether that was a bad decision or not. Uh, there have been some great moments in this game, as we've said, whether it's Chloe Kelly uh, whipping off her shirt and twirling it around her head or what happened after that, which is also doing the rounds and needs a mention. Uh, that is the German coaching staff getting a piece of paper, a physical piece of paper with some tactics onto the pitch given to the players. Uh, and one of them's reading it and Alessia Russo just pops her head round and takes a little peek at it, a bit like she's staring at someone's test answers. Uh, absolutely loved that. Um, let's talk about Jill Scott with you, Jen, if that's okay. You know, she is a, a legend of the game, really. she's She's been there, she's done it, she's seen it, and now she's got a winner's medal to prove it. How do you think She'll be feeling you've known her since she was she's, she's tiny. Said, she said tonight, didn't she? She said, I don't want this feeling to ever end. I'm never going to take this medal off. I don't have to go into schools and pretend to the kids that it's um, it's gold when it's actually bronze. Um, <laughs> she she Everybody just knows what a character she is. She's been so important, given that there's half the squad haven't really played or haven't played as much, or yeah. there's some players who haven't played at all. Yeah. And having somebody so experienced who's been there and done that, and then is accepting of that, and is, is all about the collective, and keeping people chipper, that, that's got to be huge. Her personality as well as her contribution. She was great when she came on the field tonight, and I added that. And, and actually, I said to her tonight, because she's always thanking everybody else, I said, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for the game. Yeah, I just wanted to add on Jill Scott. I mean, she, she was one of those players who perhaps maybe wasn't sure we weren't sure no, whether she'd absolutely. be in the squad yeah. maybe if Jordan Nobbs was fit maybe she wouldn't have been but I think that I always felt that her being selected it in a weird way was almost about Steph Horton not being selected because 
I, I think that the, maybe the way Serena thought about it was, well, actually, if I want to bring someone along for their leadership qualities as much as their kind of playing qualities, Jill's that person for me. And and in a weird way, I know like Jill and Steph are great friends and former club teammates and everything, but I almost feel like Jill, you know, it, she came on and played and played a really important part in this game and in other games. So it's, I don't want to make it sound like she just came along as a cheerleader. As a token. No, no, no. She, she absolutely played her but part. But I really think that Serena kind of thought, OK, I'm not taking Steph Horton, but I've got Jill Scott. That's, you know, that's my kind of my dressing room linchpin. Yeah. Uh, Serena Wiegmann has been in charge of our Lionesses side for so little time, really. She's just won back-to-back European championships, the first person to ever do so with different teams. And she's got the Lionesses playing so well for each other. And Jill Scott's a great example. That's a great example of a manager really, really, you know, thinking about the players that she's got, the personnel that she's got and what's going to get everyone involved and together and working together. Jen, a word on Serena Wiegmann please yeah well i mean the the, play, Serena, the players like are to call her now. yeah yeah well why not this the players are they're gushing as well in with their praise i've heard a few of them actually say i, I don't think she realizes how good she is at what she does she got the netherlands to the world cup final after she won the euros with the netherlands i mean the, we've she's got a bit more time with that squad a bit more time to see them in the wsl a bit more time to work with them we've won the euros that's amazing get in but let's the the World Cup. That's you, bigger. You I mean, this is on home soil. Yeah. It's yeah. on home yeah. soil. Is this bigger to win the Euros on home soil or is a World World Cup? I'll take it all, surely. Yeah, let's. I mean, let, let's argue about that next year when we win the World <laughs> Cup. Um, I'd say, but but Serena, I think one of. The, I mean, Serena. I mean, first of all, tactically, very very intelligent. We've seen that during the tournament. She makes changes when they need to be made from the bench. I think in every game, there's always been a detail she's changed somewhere. But I I just think. I don't usually like talking about soft factors um, because it's just something we don't know enough about. But you can just see that there's a different level of belief in this England team. And in the World Cup, they went close. But I feel like Phil Neville was almost trying to copy the US and it was very, let's copy what they do. I think Serena's brought something very Serena to this squad, that kind of... I don't know how to describe it. That kind of unshakable kind of presence, Calm, calming presence, a real fearless calmness, and and I I just briefly read something she said about we talked about values before the tournament and we lived them. It wasn't just words, and and I think things like that, particularly for elite sports uh, sports people, that really gets through. What some of the ex players or you know retired England players have said about former managers is was that there was a desperation sometimes to win things and that that does diffuse into the team and and it it prevents you from playing to the utmost of your ability and and she does not give them any air of desperation it's calm and clarity yeah and the team really like her she doesn't she doesn't have to be the manager and the you know sitting at the top giving out orders they actually really like her and invest and have invested in her as a person as well you really feel that uh, Jen Beth Mead, player of the tournament, golden boot winner. When it was announced that she wasn't going to make this game, it was Beth Mead, wasn't it? That's it. We knew Beth Mead was on for that. Yeah, and, and it, it's just lovely how she's just in a state of disbelief herself, mm. but she's so happy and, and she's playing happy football. We we can park angry Mead, it's happy Mead. <laughs> she's enjoying her football and you can see that on the field. And the future for her is massive. 
but there's awards on the table. She's up, she's come through the mix zone carrying a player of the tournament and a, mm. a golden boot award. And there's just there's more to come from her, and that's really exciting. Yeah, it certainly is. It's just the beginning. Listen, let's stop rabbiting on, uh, even though we could forever, of course. Uh, after the match, German journalist Tamara Keller. We've been speaking to her all tournaments, and she sent us this voice note. Hi Kate, it's Tamara from Germany. You asked if Germany did deserve the loss and um, it's a pretty rough question or um, pretty hard to answer but I would say on the sports side they didn't or it was actually still a 50-50 game. I would say at first England had an advantage that Alex Pop couldn't play and I think also it was very hard psychological for the team at first. We saw a pretty bad first halftime of the German team but still they had like 50% of the ball and I think that's very impressive because for me it looked like they wouldn't make it and then they came back and I guess they were very motivated by Martina Vosteklenburg in the halftime because like they had such an other presence on on the field and yeah and actually <laughs> I wrote to my friends like I, I feel it. Lina Maguire will score a goal because I felt it from her presence and how badly she wanted it. And two minutes later, she, she scored that goal. Um, for me, it was quite a dirty game, actually, because, like, yeah, there was so much fighting and stuff like that. I don't know how you see it right now, but it, it's from my perspective. And, um, but I think. Right now, in retro perspective, that's pretty normal for a final game. But still, I'm a bit sad because I hoped like to see a more beautiful evolved game. But yeah, it's fine at the end. And yeah, I think both teams deserved really to be in that final. And I can also be now happy for England that they want. Although like. I'm also a bit sad, like for the German players, they are so young and they would have deserved uh, this too. But I wanted to point it out actually again. That's also very nice, like for the whole sport, that the England team broke like the English curse of bringing it home. And I think it's very impressive that now, like, whole England sees it like um, uh, they broke the curse of the whole football history. And that's a very important shift we are watching and witnessing right now. I think that wouldn't have been possible in, like, three years ago or, or something like that. That wouldn't have happened. And, yeah, so well played. <laughs> Applause from... Germany and yeah the atmosphere hmm, uh, I, ca I can only speak like from my friends group from my German podcast Friff Frauen reden über Fußball women talk about football and we were all a bit depressed but we are like that's really the fan side of it like we are really into that and into the sport hmm. I think there will be more to come from Germany so Cheers and 
I hope you have a beautiful winner's night. <laughs> Greetings from Germany. This is the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Well, if you've enjoyed the Euros and you're after more women's football, stick with us because our weekly podcasts restart when the season starts in September. Make sure you follow or subscribe to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Come along and join the ride. If you're coming along, you'll see lots of stars at this Euros who are going to be on show in the Women's Super League next season. France's Yves Perisset will be joining Millie Bright at Chelsea. Spain's Laia Alexandri is coming to Manchester City, where, of course, uh, she'll meet Lauren Hemp. Uh, Lucia Garcia is joining Alessia Russo at Manchester United. And Vivian Miedema has re-signed for Arsenal, where she plays alongside Beth Mead, Leah Williamson and Stina Blackstinius. And once the Euro fanfare dies down, we realise that there are a lot of issues in women's football that still need to be fixed. We need to be honest about that. How do the Lionesses, how does the game, Tim, capitalise on this success to really evoke more change? Yeah, th this is the hardest part. I feel like we've got to the stage now where we get the big one-off events. We get the big crowds for the cup finals. We filled Wembley Stadium uh, today, tomorrow, when you're listening to this. <laughs> Yesterday. Sorry, when you're listening yeah, to this. In 2022. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, I feel like we've got to that stage where, like, almost like women's football is something people do once every three or six months. And then they go, big crowd, that was very nice. Go home, put it back in a box again getting people involved in the kind of the week to week to week. And I think some of the broadcast deals are helping and will continue to help with that because there also needs to be the stuff in the gaps between the games, like the transfer speculation and club rivalries and all of the kind of soap opera um, that we see in men's football. And, and so much of it is now about building that week to week to week. And some of that, some of those problems are so difficult to solve because some of the stadiums are difficult to get to. And, you know, there isn't a way, frankly, of having TV-friendly kickoff times that are also friendly for people to go to games. And, and some of those questions, they're so, so difficult to answer. But we've seen now that there is a reason to be ambitious. So maybe a lot of these games don't have to be in the middle of nowhere. Quite frankly, maybe they can be in the bigger stadiums more often. And I really, really hope that that happens more often. Yeah. We know, of course, that quite a few of the bigger stadiums are getting involved this season, but you're saying that you want to see that more. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I, I quite like what a club like Chelsea have done, for example, where Chelsea have actually focused on filling King's Meadow. And all right, they own it, which is quite a unique situation, but they've really focused on making King's Meadow theirs, making the kind of the atmosphere special there and making people feel a part of it and making it feel like Chelsea's ground, mm. you know, and because... Look, frankly, we're not going to get 90,000 every week. We're not going to get 60,000 every week. But if we can get 4,000 every week, yeah. like and Arsenal, Man City, We need Chelsea. to keep them engaged in this month. This next four weeks is absolutely crucial because it's quite a long time, really. That's really important. Jen, I wanted to ask you about some of the comments, some of the people that we we're speaking to on Wembley Way. Some of the women were highlighting uh, the fact that they were still not 
being able to get access to pitches to play because of course as much as we're going to want to go and see WSL games girls and women are going to want to play more football now yeah people get fixated on the money element but it's when we talk about equality but it's not that it is access to facilities it's access to opportunities to play and unfortunately maybe it's we don't have enough facilities because they were they're always pushed to the back of the queue that needs that attitude needs to change I actually saw Bev Ward who's been instrumental in putting this tournament on on Wembley Way surrounded by thousands of fans that was a lovely moment I got a snap of her and and she said we've had 10,000 inquiries on our find the team platform just in the last week or two that's that's the influence that's the real influence of of this tournament and it's not just girls it's women who want to play recreationally as well so we need numbers who are enthusiastic about playing the game who then want to go and watch watch the game and it should be about football for all and schools Ian Wright national hero (laughs) national treasure he's already championed that we need to make sure it's a reality yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well, look, the Athletic are going to be putting out an article this week about what life will be like for the players once the Euro fanfare dies down. Uh, so don't forget to check that one out. That is all we've got time for on our final Euro edition of the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Uh, thank you to both of you. Thank you uh, to you, Jen, and to you, Tim. Uh, let our listeners know where they can find you from now and, of course, once the season st- starts. Uh, your insight, Jen O'Neill, will be... Oh, well, you can follow Follow me on Twitter. It's at shekicks.net. Just type that out or on our website, uh, shekicks.net. I've got a magazine celebrating this uh, tournament to get out ASAP. So uh, pray for me. So you're going to be burning the a lot of oil. A lot of posters. Pray for Jen. It's going to be a lot of posters. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter as well, at Stilberto. I, um, I mainly do work around Arsenal women um, as an Arsenal women correspondent, but uh, do a lot of work more broadly around uh, European women's football um, and international football as well. Well, look, both of you are incredible advocates for the women's game. I've enjoyed spending this magical time with you. It's a day that we'll never forget. It's my birthday today as well. The stars aligned, didn't they, in so many ways uh, today. Thank you to the wider athletic team as well who've been involved in making these Euro shows, uh, especially Lindsay Hooper as well, my co-presenter, my friend, my buddy, and we've, we've lived so many of these tournaments together and um, it was really important for me to see her earlier. So... That was um, very emotional. And to producers Sophie and Abby, and I do not say this lightly, they have been absolutely amazing, staying up all night editing these podcasts so that you can access them as soon as you wake up or indeed as soon as you go to bed if you're a late riser and it's 4 or 5 a.m. They've been incredible. And a huge thanks to you, the listener, as well, for coming on the journey with us and hopefully staying with us and women's football from now on. The new season's adventure begins in just four weeks, remember. We've got plenty of content to keep you going until then. So make sure you follow or subscribe to our channel. Tell your friends and family about us. Holler from the rooftops. And do check out the Athletic website too. To end, I think we can only really say one thing. Tim, Jen, it's come home. As we record Wednesday, the 6th of July, the opening day of the Women's Euros 2022. The main story being that we won't get to see the Spanish megastar Alexia Puteas at this tournament. She's out with a ruptured ACL. England's Euros got off, well, to a nervy start. Kirby to Beth Is this a 
Remember, it's only your second match in the national team, and it's on the European Championship, and it's the first match. So it's incredible, and, and uh, we've all seen how talented she is. England scored the most goals of any team ever in a Euros game, men or women. Eight goals. I still don't quite know what to say about it. You know, every time Beth scored, she kept looking over and I was like standing on my chair. Billy Blank has never seen more football in her life and she was shooketh. I didn't envy them having to play those temperatures today. Yeah, I'm ready for my ice bath, Kelly. I don't know about you. Another player to add to our ACL team, Francis Marie Antoinette Cototo. Italy, it must be said, I mean, finishing bottom of the group, you have to say, have been probably the biggest disappointments of this tournament, even more so than the Norway, who obviously crashed out earlier than we expected. Serena Wiegmann, out with COVID, didn't really matter as it turned out. It's a Rousseau! England march into the quarterfinals in frightening form. And it's in, surely! Yes! Northern Ireland have scored! Football. What an opportunity, what a moment. You, you were there at the first time that they qualified for the major tournament, so huge. I think they will be really proud of spells. Space opening up for Georgia Stanway. Goes for goal! Oh my word! England! Through to the semi-finals of Euro 2022! Coming up, Germany pop up with another win. Saved by Everard. What an important save that was as well. Bouncy castles for rent. That's her company that does that. No. It was hard to see Viviana Minima. She was teared up. They all had this wish, you know, to defend uh, their European title. That semi-final, I, th I think France v Germany is going to be so, so difficult to call. Yeah, 10 years of making quarterfinals never further, and now they have. Coming up, Alex pops on fire. News flash this evening. England will play against the eight-time champions, Germany, on Sunday night. Da, da, da. won the Euros, their first major trophy, and on home soil as the hosts. I literally don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight, guys. Proud to be English. I can't tell you how proud I am. The Athletic.